0: If you want to know what's happening on the local political landscape, Katie Wolf has it covered on Three Sixty. Everyone is listening. Mix One Hundred Four Point Nine.
1: Well, as we know, estimates continue on this week, and yesterday the police minister was in the hot seat with plenty of questions asked of both the uh, the minister herself and also the police commissioner. Joining me on the line is the independent member for Araluen, Robin Lamley. Good morning to you, Robin. Good morning, Katie Wool. Now Robin uh, the police portfolio was high on the agenda yesterday with a real focus on those police numbers and uh, the attrition rate. I know that it was pretty interesting information around the police retention uh, at 95 officers leaving the force in the space of a year uh, Robin, the figures sound concerning but the police commissioner said the commentary around this is uh, well, was a bit over exaggerated to paraphrase him saying that the rate of changing staff in his organisation had, had really bare changed what was your take on that rate of attrition and rate of people leaving well Katie um, pretty much all the bad
0: news was played down as it has been um, over the last week and a half during budget estimates. Uh, you'll only get the good news out of them, uh, usually. But, um, look, 95 uh, uh, police officers leaving, that's a lot of people. And as the opposition said, it's a lot of time and energy and money put into um, keeping those people, recruiting them. Um, I, um, I asked the uh, uh, police minister and police commissioner... Why they thought uh, what what they attributed this yeah. um high Uh, Attrition rate, too. And one of the questions I specifically asked was the impact of um, the uh, Constable Zachary Rolfe trial on uh, police morale and the high attrition rate. And they just completely shut me down. Well, the minister did, not the police commissioner. Uh, They didn't want to talk about, about that at all. They just put it down to people wanting to move into state to be with their family. No evidence. Uh, based um, uh, facts backing that up at all. It was Robin,
1: just, why um, did they not want to talk anxiety. about that? Why do you think they didn't well, want to talk about that?
0: The minister, I think, was probably prepared to some extent for questions on this subject, although we weren't asking any to her, for her to comment uh, about the trial at all, yeah. it was just the impact, uh, looking at the policies and procedures and the operations of the police and how this major event, the the uh, the, the, uh, the murder of um, Kuman J. Walker and the trial of Constable Zachary Rolfe, how it's impacted on the community and in particular the police force. The, the Minister just shut it down saying that um, it just wasn't the time and when I asked her when would the time be right to talk about this she wouldn't uh, provide that information either so uh, although we're reading about it Mm. in the paper we're hearing about it on the news in budget estimates A parliamentary committee process we cannot talk about something that has impacted the whole of the Northern Territory and people want to talk about and
1: And and the concern really is that uh, you know the, the, the worry is that this is no matter how this case goes that it's going to have an impact on the community and it's going to have an impact on the police force no matter what the outcome is and no one's suggesting that we go into what the outcome could be or the hypotheticals but at the end of the day it's going to have an impact.
0: It's the elephant in the room and I said that in in budget estimates hearings yesterday. I said it's the elephant in the room that we need to talk about. It has impacted the police service uh, morale, attrition rates um, God knows what else and that's what budget estimates is all about. It's an opportunity to talk about the processes the policies the expenditure of government, what's going on inside government And, and I reminded the the, the Minister, whether she chooses to use it or not is another thing, but we are also are protected by parliamentary privilege. We can talk about these difficult issues in mm. a fairly frank way without it impacting on the outcome of the trial. Um, territorians want to know what's going on, and the Police Minister shut it all down.
1: Uh, Now, Robin, I know that you asked quite a lot of questions about the rising crime in locations like Alice Springs and Tennant Creek and other areas. Um, Do you feel confident that enough is being done in locations like Alice Springs to try and curb the serious issues that we are seeing and that we've seen in recent times?
0: Look, I sat there, Katie, listening to the police commissioner and the Minister for Police. And I just couldn't accept their zero emotion around what's going on in the Territory. They were emotionless about the fact that we're all facing um, an escalation of crime. We're all being subjected to crime at a level that we shouldn't be. They expressed no emotion and really did not satisfy me at all as to what they're doing to try and protect us. They did identify Tennant Creek and Alice Springs as crime hotspots. The police commissioner called it, call them hotspots, uh, and then sort of gave the usual list of things that they're doing. Um, but, you know, it is outrageous. It's terrible. <laughs> it's unacceptable. And you've got the police minister and the police
1: commissioner talking about it like it's making a sandwich or something, well- you know? Um And Robin, I know that you sort of—I know that you did also ask some questions, or you had some questioning around um, how the commissioner is managing that day-to-day policing, and also the role of territory controller, so overseeing the Howard Springs facility and also the borders, amongst other things. Did the commissioner indicate the level of time that it takes to sort of manage both of those roles? Yes, he did.
0: My, my question was, on top of your um, enormous responsibilities to keep the Northern Territory safe from crime and antisocial behaviour, you now have this enormous other role called the Territory Controller role, uh, which is responsible for coordinating basically the whole COVID response. I, said, I asked him, how much of your time percentage-wise is taken up as the territory controller. And he said, at least 50%. And I said, so isn't this, um, uh, isn't this too hard? Like, it, it, isn't this too much for you to have both these roles? At what point do you say enough is enough? I can't do it all. And he, he, he refuted that. And he said, I'm more than capable of doing both roles. I have a great team around me. It's not a problem. Well, I think it is a problem. I th- and I think, and I maintained in last estimates in December, early December last year, that the role of uh, him being the territory controller of COVID has taken him away from his, his primary duty, in my opinion, and that is to keep us safe from crime and I... to fight crime, reduce crime. Because during that time he's been in that job, we've seen an escalation of crime right across the Northern Territory.
1: I guess the argument from uh, from the government, Robin, would be that there's been record investment into uh into the police portfolio and you know they've got um they've got uh, a, a great police force who are who are really very capable um and that he's obviously got other people in those deputy commissioner roles and also uh, those commander roles who are more than capable of managing the day-to-day policing um is that adequate in your in your opinion
0: not really i mean you know i i think that um you know, we all know that the police do a fabulous job, the best that they possibly can. But it's also about policy, the policy and the legislation that they're given to do their job. And I think that's where the government's letting them down. I think that, that, I don't think the government's been on top of alcohol policy. I think that the government has been all over the place on youth justice. I think they're scrambling around. The police are at the mercy of a government that's really out of um, out of their depth when it comes to trying to address crime. They're good at other things, this government, but they're certainly not good at crime.
1: Now, Robin, speaking of some of that legislation and some of the changes that have been put in place, youth bail, it was... Uh, and, you know, some of the changes to the youth bail laws uh, were also on the agenda, as I understand it. Was there much detail provided around the, youth bail, uh, the new youth bail laws and uh, and, Will, are they having an impact?
0: No, there wasn't. Um, I think it's early days. Um, I didn't hear a lot of information around that. Um, There was a lot of uh, discussion around... Uh, the fact that we're out of the biosecurity, um, you know, we, we, the, the COVID um, biosecurity measures have been lifted, that there was a surge in, for example, domestic violence after after that, after people came out of lockdown, domestic violence numbers went from about 60 per day across the Northern Territory. Mm-hmm. They rose to up to 100 per day after they were lifted. And we're told now that they're sort of lowering back to the pre-COVID Level, Um, but no. Look, I don't think they've got much data around that the impact of the changes to the bar legislation. That was only put through, really, about six weeks ago. So it is early days. But um, look, it was a
1: funny day.
0: I I wasn't left feeling overly confident or uh, or uh, uh, well informed.
1: Now, just finally, and you might not have a huge amount of info on this, but it is one of the uh, one of the big uh, stories that the ABC is reporting on uh, ABC News uh, that there was thousands of speeding fines that are going to be withdrawn because of an error in the way that speed detectors were calibrated. Uh, that was revealed in uh, in estimates yesterday by the police commissioner. Do you have much detail in this space?
0: No, the only detail that was interesting to me is that if you've already paid your fine, uh, then it's too late. You've taken responsibility for speeding effectively and uh, you won't be getting your money back even if the the sign was the, um, the speed was incorrectly measured. What? By paying it, you, uh, you've accepted faults and that's the end of it. You're not getting your money back.
1: No way. So if you've already yes. paid it, you, you don't get your money back?
0: Correct. Wow. Too late. Well, you Robin.
1: Conceded we will did speed. Well, we will definitely be following that up because I tell you what, you know, when you get a speeding fine, you just assume um, you just sort of go, "Oh, goodness me, I didn't think I was speeding, but obviously I was, you know, I've received the fine, so I'm going to have to pay it."
0: Precisely. And they they're they're, uh, they're relying on the goodwill and uh, the good people of the Northern Territory who think like you do, Katie, and, mm. and me, that um, That they've paid their fine and life
1: goes on. Too late, baby. Well, Robin Lamley, I'm going to see what else we can find out about this this morning. I reckon people are going to be irate. Uh, It's always good to catch up with you. We'll catch up with you again on Friday for the week that was. Looking forward to it, Katie. Good on you, Robin. Thank you. That is the independent member for Araluan there, Robin Lamley.